Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Joe Clossy, your traveling principal here, with a special episode on something that we're all faced with currently, and that is the coronavirus, uh, COVID-19. Since I'm in a position where my state, the state of California, is currently compromised and open cases as well as a uh, fatality at this point are already recorded, um, I thought it would be a smart idea to reach out to everybody and let you all know what I'm doing, what those around me are doing, um, which I think are pretty solid plans. Um, And so I'm coming out back-to-back episodes today just because I think it's necessary to do so, right? Like that's the the point of what I'm trying to do with this podcast. So um, tune in. Here we go. Let's uh, let's go on the the coronavirus ride uh, as it's a gnarly one. Um, I am a high school principal of a single school LEA, which is a local education agency LEA, and I'm on weird terms with our authorizer, as most charters are. I'd like to capture for you the steps I've taken, as well as my advice for school leaders out there. Um, and so. Let's try and and do that here. So what do you do if your site or community has a case? Folks, it's super important for you to know as a school leader that your number one priority is safety. Even before learning and instruction, even before parents and board members, my number one most important role as a building leader is safety. Are the people in my building safe? Is my building safe? Are my classrooms safe? Are stairwells lit? Uh, are exit pathways outside and parking lots safe at night? Um, I, I'm going to say this. I'm not even as concerned about the building being locked up because it could be robbed as much as I'm concerned with someone coming in to harm us, possibly an earthquake, possibly a fire or dealing with the residuals if I, as I've had to now for three years in a row. Based on statistics at this time, which is the beginning of March, if someone informed me that our school has a situation with the coronavirus, we would immediately shut down for at least the next day. My school could operate on a hybrid schedule as this is something I've spoken to the staff and admin team about. During the time we'd be off with no kids, I'd have the building cleaned appropriately. I'd communicate with the school community that I'm doing so in order to have all students return back to school as soon as possible. I'd ensure that the infective party remains under proper protocol. The school will abide with federal and state level regulations as I don't make these laws, but I'd be certain to follow them at this time. Meaning, close it down, inform everyone of the plan, which therefore would have to be established prior to, have the building cleaned, informed everyone daily of status until reopen as possible. During the time we are off, an investigation is to be conducted of all parties that need to abide by some sort of quarantine. From what I understand, this is like the flu, right? Where people can die from it annually, and many people get it every year. To keep everyone safe at school is my goal, right? To reduce the spread of the virus overall, 
is my part to play in this situation. We all work together here, folks. And with proper communication, we can all help fight something that is scary, but must be dealt with accordingly and not dismissed as if it's not something that can seriously injure those out there that are susceptible to respiratory diseases. Now, you may be thinking that all kids in my school and staff should be healthy, youthful, and fine, and without pre-existing conditions, and you may be correct. However, what about their grandparents and neighbors who aren't? And that's how I see the part I'm going to play if the time comes and this is what I'm faced with. Remember, follow protocol. Make sure your plan revolves around the safety of those in your building. And if you don't know, ask. Even if you don't want to ask me, ask someone. Please, ask anybody. Here's some guidelines that are being passed around my county to school leaders. So the first one is communicate regularly with your families and staff about steps you are taking to respond to the coronavirus and prepare for its further spread. Okay. In doing so, make sure that you include that we strongly remind parents to keep students home when they are sick and be vigilant about sending symptomatic students home according to your standard protocols. Let your staff know it is critical that they stay home when they're sick. To whatever degree that this is possible, try to continue using some sort of cleaning products in your building that kill viruses. This is highly recommended. Right now, I'm going to say this on the air. We are not supposed to have Clorox products in your school. Right? I'm pretty sure you can't use bleach around kids. However, I do know that of plenty of stores where you can buy those little tubes that have the wipes in there. And I do think this would be one of those times that I would go and get that and bring it into my site, wipe down my whole office and every desk and chair and handle around me. That I do know. Continue promoting hygienic practices, right? Um, And so this is like probably the worst reason why this this, um, virus is spreading. We're dealing with washing our hands, avoiding contact with people who are sick, avoiding touching of the face. I heard we touch our face 30 times an hour, right? So now we're telling you not to touch your face at all. Oh, okay. So, and then with regards to the staff, I mean, make sure that certain rooms have antibacterial options. Um, I know that I immediately turned to the office staff and asked them, if they could get one of those Purell stations in every room. Um, And then signage, right? Reminding people. I'm often um, not the one who needs to be reminded, but it's nice to see it when I'm in a restroom somewhere and it's a whatever type of establishment where I'm eating. That's always good practice, right? Um, So I also want to address this, right? I've been watching the news And the coverage is totally gnarly. I'm hearing we'll shut down for a while. I'm hearing the month of April usually makes this virus go away. I I mean, I'm hearing people with pre-existing conditions are at high risk. 
I'm hearing people just don't have the time for this right now. And we're all panicking for no reason. So what I also know is how to find facts. I'm like a researcher at heart, I suppose. Yes, I watch MSNBC and CNN and admittedly Fox News and BBC and NPR, all of which give me different feeds of the same story, right? But when doctors are presenting facts and people have been corrected, like, in, in their predictions of how quickly it's going to spread thus far. I'm paying attention to everything. I'm all over the internet, but I don't use social media for my information. It's important to note that I don't use Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter as resources of information to say it again. I may be able to use them for communication, but not for information. I think it's evident that unless I want the Russians playing a part in the information pipeline that I expose myself to, I should go to reputable news sources. Okay. That said, being in contact with the County Office of Public Health at this time is also critical. Whoever the director of your county's public health department is now plays a major role in your school it might be somebody you want to reach out to and introduce yourself to. On a granular scale, depending on the type of case of infection, schools may or may not close. So for example, I've read that if a situation occurs at an old age home on the other side of the county or on the other side of town, this may not warrant any direct connection to school sites or that population. Therefore, closing is still seemingly extreme, okay? Now, this example that I'm giving you revolves around my current school neighborhood, which is an ag community off of the coast of the Pacific Ocean, um, not overly populated in this area by any means at all. So I'm not talking about a New York City neighborhood where a million people live in my building. I'm talking about a million people live in, well, I was going to say this county, but it's really probably this county and the next three counties north of us, right? So um, that's about the size of the, of the area that I'm talking about. So this, of course, is at a time when also no local cases are evident. And everything that I'm do, I would be doing is precautionary at this current time. And so... You know, know that, oh my gosh, if somebody in the state of California contracts this virus, which they have, I'm not shutting my school down, especially if I'm a thousand miles away from where that place is, right? So, however, if someone is infected and they live in an area near campus or work or attend a school, either that school individually, right, or that community of schools should consider closing. So each case is going to be um, unique in regards to the steps that schools will take. But steps must be taken. Plans must be made. Let me ask you this. Why close, right? Um, why should we jump straight to closing schools? Well, basically for the simple reason that we can all play a part um, in trying to prevent the spread of any infectious disease, you know, containment. It's, it's our isolation, containment, right? 
If I know in my site I have a student-confirmed case of COVID-19, I'm calling the Ventura County Public Health immediately. All of my students would have to be screened. Sites for quarantine would be assessed and transportation inevitable. I don't just send the kids home, and that's what people do when cruise ships come to town, apparently. So by closing, we'd eliminate the possibility of spreading due to lack of connection of people all day. Then those students going home and interacting with their families and friends who then go to work the next day or on with their lives, not knowing and spreading an infectious disease. I'd also be able to clean my environment at that school if it was closed, again, eliminating the spread. By closing, students would have to stay home and not be out there exposed to any, um, you know, and possibly spreading uh, any infection. So it sounds nuts, however, in this case, pretty real. Siding with caution here is the smartest play I can think of, and I definitely would um, do so immediately in my situation. So um, I would also, if I was the school building leader and I got the information right away that so-and-so somehow has the coronavirus, not too sure how that would be possible, um, but let's just say it, it happened. I think it's also um, the obvious first move would be to get on the horn and lock it down, right? And so this way we can prevent anybody from interacting with anybody else other than the amount of people that are in that classroom. So, um, you know, again, we're, we're going to try to play our part here. Uh, and this is a gnarly time. So now let's get on to funding, right? As a school building leader, where does my funding come from if I close that school? Who pays salary? Who pays the bills when no one's in session? Because if funding is generated by average daily attendance and we don't generate attendance, where does funding come from? I just can't close schools, right? Otherwise I would. <laughs> so what I can do is use what's called a J13A form in California. Um, I'm sure your state has it. It's just called probably something else. This form is what's filled out when the state declares a state of emergency. So when the governor says, I'm declaring a state of emergency, looking all official when doing so, what they're really doing is releasing the funds necessary to supplement the cost of closing everywhere. Right? So that's a lot of money when you think about it. So in the past, when we've had fires year after year, I wait for the declaration of a state of emergency, and I shut down without taking any chances. Um, I, you know, again, I am not from California. I am from New York. I don't do fires. I don't like fires. Uh, annually, my wife and I wonder what we're doing out here because of them. They are scary. It is crazy. In addition to that, the air quality is nuts. And so I don't take any chances. I go straight East Coast about a West Coast thing. And um, people kind of like that approach. Um, so now my school covers a huge area as well. It's important to know that I pull kids from almost countywide. Uh, so I am not limited to a pocket of neighborhoods nearby. I'm countywide. Um, and so this is no picnic, right? Uh, when I have a situation in such a large area, 
if I can't gain access to that area to pick those kids up and drop those kids off or I don't want them outside waiting for the bus because of the air quality or if the air quality where my school is is bad, I have to shut it down for everybody. So it's a it's a wild scenario for a school leader to be in and a gnarly decision for you to make. The J13A form includes when I shut down or released early or even days that I stayed open and experienced low attendance due to the state of emergency time period and I can be reimbursed thankfully because on some days like let's say it's not that bad I don't have very many kids in, uh, affected maybe there might be a fire that's 45 minutes from here and so depending on the direction of the wind and the speed of the wind etc we could be seeing it um, some some people might live in that area that work at our school and their kids schools are closed and uh, you know we're kind of dealing with the residuals there so um, you know it's it's a it's a real wild kind of scenario um, my current plan is uh, everyone else's at this point I'm pretty sure is the same thing is to create a hybrid school setting as well right when we close um, where instruction just remains online and, and learning continues I'm currently making an emergency homeschool guideline for our school and could be implemented as early as a week from today right so think about that um i'm also assuming uh and this could be really far off but i i don't know i don't think anybody really knows if we do have a case you have to think there's a 14 day incubation period or or a period of time where you are um you you are able to pass it on right like you you are infectious so um once I'm assuming we have a diagnosed case, we're going to have to be off for a 14 day period, right? I mean, it's not just going to be one day. My first reaction immediately, like I had said before, would be, all right, we're closing tomorrow. We're closing. That's going to give me enough time to coordinate with everybody else around here to be like, hey, 14 days sounds like a smart idea. Now, if we throw in a couple of weekends, really, we only mean two school weeks. However, the timing would have to be epic for that to be the case. We would have to start on a Monday, right? Um, or or on a Friday, rather, and include that first weekend. So currently my plan, you know, is 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 to try to continue instruction. Now we have a one-to-one Chromebook per student scenario going on, and we may not have much of a gap um, should we need to flip the switch and operate remotely. But let me recap for you what my plan is so far. So number one, I have communicate with your school community. Now is the time to be um, overly communicating, right? We are we are not in our offices behind closed doors, which is ironic to the behavior that I speak of. Um, you know, over-communicate, over-ask, overdo it with your presence, as in most cases. And really, it's because a principal can change the aura of a room with their disposition completely, right? And And those of you who are school leaders and you're listening, you know exactly what I mean. And so control that environment with spirit. Um, Bulk up on sanitizers everywhere. I I want in my school right now the fresh scent of Purell in the air. Um, Post up literature on hand washing, um, minding your hygiene everywhere. We're rolling out a lesson tomorrow in the morning sessions um, that are going to take over classes, which will revolve around what the virus is, so as not to freak kids out, right? But educate them. 
The lesson will go into how students can help not spread any virus, right? Um, education here, folks, is crucial to successes as in most things in this world. And then five in my staff meeting tomorrow after school, I'm going to remind the staff on what the virus is, remind them on efforts we can all implement with the kids and keeping the environment safe, and then go into my emergency homeschool guideline plan. That will be sure to flip everyone out. I mean, that's what I'm anticipating, right? Look, our schools sent out a protocol last week on all things keeping it clean in gangster during these times. Um, I go off to a conference in Denver, sit with some admin that are coughing all over me, and I had a decision to make prior to returning to work, and it revolves around my last point. I need to make it here. If you're sick, stay home, both kids and staff. I know we usually try to send the opposite message, but remember, in this case, funding doesn't matter. So instead of everyone closing and no one going, uh, let's practice safety here in isolation. And therefore, if you're sick, kids and staff should be told to stay home. So number six, if you're sick, to kids and staff, stay home. I did, and I didn't want to. I had auditors breathing down my neck this week, interviews, not to mention I've, I've been in in the conference for a week prior to, and now I'm not going to work again. I'm, I know my staff is running on empty, um, and it's killing me inside, but I'm not going to be the one to bring it all down, especially when I'm the one whose job it is to keep it going. So special thanks to my wife and my assistant principal for making that happen today. Or I was dressed and ready to leave until I was reminded of my own policy, as it applies to everyone, I guess. Uh, and so, ladies and gentlemen, I hope I've helped a bit in determining the thought process that a school leader has to go through in planning to deal with this coronavirus that is spreading as a pandemic as we speak. I mean, over 90,000 reported cases, and this number is mainly just from the last few weeks, as predicted it would Graphics of the potential spread are similar in growth patterns to that of the 1918 flu pandemic, which affected like a third of the world's population. So today, I mean, we're smarter. We have more advancement in medicine and communicate more easily on a much wider scale. And these reasons are sort of similar to the plan that I've rolled out in this podcast as we'll be rolling out to my school community. The more we educate, the higher our success rate will be here, folks. Should you have any questions on this podcast since I laid down some heavy stuff here, please don't hesitate to contact me at thetravelingprincipal at gmail.com. I hope I was clear and helpful as this has been my intent with this podcast from the beginning. Please be safe out there, folks. And until next time, I am Joe Clossy, your traveling principal, saying thanks for listening, everyone. Have a clean and infection-free day filled with sanitizer and solid communication. If I had a song here, I'd play it now, but I don't. So, all right, you guys, be well.